a time tonight, we're gonna, I'm praying over you, I'm praying over this church. I'm asking God for an increase in prayer warriors, surely. You know, you may think that we do a lot of praying now, but you ain't seen nothing yet. But not only that, not only in the church, but in your homes, and I'm gonna teach you why, and I'm believing God. I'm, right now, I've got my faith out for, for you to start seeing a lot more of your families coming into the kingdom. Um, kids that are, you know, family members that are not living for God. We serve an awesome God. But I'm going to teach you, we're going to talk tonight, and the sermon is called A Call to Prayer. And we're going to talk about prayer. And, and we've been talking about the prayer of faith. And we talk a lot about the prayer of faith. Let me, let me reiterate something to you. You've got to be very careful when you're reading someone's book on prayer, what kind of prayer he's talking about. You can't, you can't take golf and soccer and baseball and, and mix the rules up. You can't do it. They, they have a, baseball and football have different rules. Different kinds of prayer have different rules. What we have done in the past is taken prayer, put it in a box, shook it up, and poured it out like marbles, and hope something sticks. And and that's not that's not a good way to approach prayer. And and having said that, we preach a lot in this church, and and rightly so, on the prayer of faith. And I've said this before; it bears repeating. Whatever you desire. When you pray, you believe, you receive, and you have. Who are you praying for? You. You can't use the prayer of faith for your husband. You can't use it for your wife. You can't use the prayer of faith for your kids. Now, because of that, very often when evangelists like Dr. Osborne and, and Kevin and Leslie are traveling. They're, they're standing on a field, and they're trying to get the people to receive the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they're healing. And so they're primarily, they are almost always primarily going to talk to you about the prayer of faith. And when they write books, they'll talk to you about the prayer of faith. And if you don't watch out, you'll think, because that man wrote about it, he must know what he's talking about. Well, you need to ask, who is he? The coach at school is going to talk to you different than your mama. The coach is going to look at you and say, now, boy, let me tell you something. You need to run harder. You need to sprint. You need to, you need to get that weight off you. And you, you get home, your mama is going to tell you to brush your teeth and get your homework. Well, that doesn't mean mama's wrong. You don't need to play football and your teeth fall out. That didn't do you any good. You got the touchdown, but your teeth are rotten. So, so what good is it if you played football in high school and you flunked? So, so who's right? Well, the pastor, is he right? Well, he's right. The evangelist, he's right. The prophet, they're right. Well, you just have to ask who's teaching and who are we praying for? And, and so there's been a lot of confusion about prayer because there is goofiness. Listen, anytime you have a subject, you're going to have goofy stuff. And sometimes, let me say something to y'all. You don't learn to pray sitting in a room like this with me talking to you. And you certainly don't learn to pray in reading a book. You learn to pray praying. Now that means you're going to have some failures. Then you back up and do it until you get your prayers answered. And then once you get your prayers answered, you can't have somebody come along and tell you you're doing it wrong because then you go, well, excuse me, I'm getting my prayers answered. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? All right. Now, if you don't get your prayers answered, then don't tell me I'm wrong when I get mine answered because you read a book. I read the same book and it didn't work. That's okay. 
You know, I found out that when I graduated from Rama, I had a philosophy. I didn't know nothing, but I had a philosophy. After a while, you, you've got to make that Bible yours. Just because Kenneth Hagin used his faith and got healed don't mean you're going to use yours and get you healed. If you're not getting healed with your faith, you don't know nothing. So go find out. Go, you stay on your face, and if you keep at it, the Holy Ghost will show you, and you'll go, oh, that's what they meant by that. My God, that's not that hard. And then you know, right? So you have to do some praying, and you're going to do some things right, and you're going to do some things wrong. Amen. So we're going to talk tonight about praying for those that are not saved and those in our midst that are carnal. We're going to talk about you praying for family members who are not living for God. Now, I'm going to start off by making a statement. It's not okay for them to just go to hell. Well, I told them about Jesus and they went to hell. That's not okay. That you, you, didn't, you and I did not do our part. And we're going to talk about why it is. Now, now I'm, going to, I'm going to use an illustration here. Now, just listen to me very carefully. Sometimes we watch people walk in, and the wife will get saved, and the husband won't. And you hear the message, and she got it, and he didn't. Why is that? Well, his heart. Maybe not. Maybe her mom was praying, and ain't nobody praying for him. Maybe nobody's praying for this guy. We're going to get in there. I'm going to show you something about, I'm going to help you to get to where you just go, I love to pray. And I want you to show you how to pray for people so you'll see God moving in their life. That you don't have a child too nutsy for God. <laughs> My mama had one of those until she started praying. Next thing you know, she took that little nut and turned him into a preacher. And it's amazing what mama can get done on her knees. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 now and let's, let's go. Now, I'm going to say some good things tonight. Say some things I'm going to pray that they just change your life. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren... Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now go to Hebrews 4.16. Just back up. Take a left. Go two blocks. And you're there right at the store. 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, he's talking here primarily about you, isn't he? All right. Now, let's stop for a minute and let's, let's talk about a lost person. Now, go, go to John three sixteen with me. Go, let's go over there. If you didn't bring your Bible, start bringing one. You're going to want to bring it. John 3.16, you say, I know it. I know you know it. If you invite me to your house for steak, I'm not going to say, I know it. I'll eat that one too. And next week, I'll eat another one. John 3.16, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn or damn the world, the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not damned. And I'm changing the word condemned to damned for this reason. The word con, you learn this in English, is, is with. It means with, with and, and dem is, is dam. It, it means dam's not a cuss word. We turned it into damnation means uh, someone is cast out of the presence of God. Damnation means that's the end. You know, you're, all, you're going to hell, there's no hope. That's what it means. Now, we've turned it into a cuss word when we say, well, damn you and damn this and damn dog and everything else. Well, it's, it was never, it's not a cuss word, it could be. But in this sense, it's, we're using in the fact that a man, so I'm going to read this to you and I want you to get this. He who believes in him we, and the reason I'm saying this is because if I use the word con condemn, you think 
Most Christians think condemnation means you feel bad. That guy preached a sermon made me, he can, I felt condemned. I, I, I left feeling bad. That's not, the word condemned is the word with damnation. A man who's not saved is damned. That means he dies, he goes to hell. He's damned. Okay. Um, one day, one day, and I really need to do this because um, I, I wish that people did not interchange the word condemnation and judgment. I wish, I wish they didn't do it because it's wrong to do it. When, you're, when the girls are skating, there's judges. You know, they got the 5.6 and a 6.2. They're not killing the girl if she falls. That would be damnation. But they are judging her. And we have taken the word judgment and turned it into a big bad word. And it's, it isn't. And that's why we hear people say, God doesn't judge people. Jesus did not take your judgment. He took your damnation. The police will still give you a ticket for speeding, and that's judgment. But they will not throw you out of the United States and send you back to Cuba. That would be damnation. Are y'all getting this? So you, have, you, can't, you, you can't interchange words because you're, you're, messing people's, you're messing people up when you do it. So, 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 so damnation, it says, he who believes in him is not damned. Why? Because Jesus bore the judgment, not really, the damnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And then Paul said, ought not you learn to judge in the smallest manners? Don't you know we will judge angels? We're not damning angels. We will judge angels. Are y'all out there or did you go home? So let's, let's get the words right and, and it'll help us out a lot. So, 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 okay, he who believes in him is not damned, but he who does not believe is damned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we know this. You've heard me say it a hundred times. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for everybody on the earth. Didn't he? So God legally, legally cannot send a man to hell for sinning. So, so, so why do I do men go to hell? Well, because they've never received Jesus. Now, why have they not received Jesus? So we're going to read the rest of this and you'll see this. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. He who believes is not damned. He is damned already because he has not believed in the name. This is the damnation. Light came in the world and they loved darkness and loved sin and they did not come to Jesus. That's why. When, see, you and I are not out to teach people that we don't need to prove to them right and wrong. You, you have never in your life ever been around a sinner that didn't know about stealing, lying, and cheating, and adultery. I don't care if you go to Africa and the Gumbi Gumbi tribe. They, you steal their spear and they'll scream at you. And they don't have a Bible school anywhere around. I mean, even a heathen will say, well, you lied to me. Or what do you think you're doing, stealing my TV? See, we know right from wrong. We don't need to teach people right from wrong. They know right from wrong. What they're not coming to Jesus for is that they still want to run their life and they don't want God telling them what to do. And that is the only issue you and I have. But, but they're still going to hell when they die. And we need to pray for them, right? All right, now, having said that, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that they are praying for their self? No. Don't forget that thought right there. They're not. So let's stop for a minute because I'm going to throw some responsibility on you. If they're not praying for themselves and they're not going to, and no one ever prays for them, what happens when they die? All right, now hold on a minute. Then whose responsibility is it? It is ours. Now that's a heavy thing. That's really heavy. You are going to answer to God for your family members who are not saved. Now, we'll talk about in a minute about your prayer life. 
And, and, and so I've already got people there going, oh, we're not going to ask that guy with Jesus. You're just, no, you're wrong. Just be, be cool. Don't, don't start thinking out loud while I'm preaching. <laughs> the responsibility is on the church. Now, we have not done it because we still are steeped in Calvinism. God is running everything. He's not running everything. He gave the responsibility to the church. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God knows why he sent Jesus? Yes. I mean, you think Jesus running around going, God, I just don't know what you want me to do. I don't, know what. I don't think so. So why did Jesus spend all night in prayer? Apparently, Jesus knows why he's here. God knows why he's here. So why did he need to pray at all? Because God cannot move unless a man asks him. That is why God had to take on humanity. Now, I just, uh, I just upended everything you ever learned in your denominational church. I just blew it in the creek because that's the reason why America and the world is in a mess because we've been taught that God's running everything. He is not running everything. God is completely dependent on his church. Now, does that mean you're responsible for everybody? No, it's not. But, but if you just started with your family. Now, think about this for a minute. How in the world do you think that me, Shirley, Jeannie, Betty Lowe's, who else comes? Betty May, who else comes to prayer in here on Monday night? Um, is going to pray for everybody in this church and your family. That's crazy. That ain't happening. It is not the prayer. Now you turn in prayer request. They're going to pray generally over the services. They're going to pray the, the, what the Spirit of God. But you, you're going to have to start praying over your family. You, that is, that is just as much your responsibility as cooking dinner and cleaning the dishes. If you don't clean them, God's not cleaning them. God ain't mopping your floor and God ain't going to clean your toilets when he gets home. You can pray about it all you want to. He ain't going to do it. So there's things that God has placed on the church and it's right here in this book. And the pastor is supposed to teach you that it is your responsibility to pray. Because if you don't, they're not coming. I remembered one year, um, um, Harvey's, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn and Jackie and a bunch of women got together and decided to start praying for their husbands. Every woman in that prayer meeting's husband came to Jesus. What about all the other women in the church? They didn't come to the prayer meeting. Don't shout me down. They were too busy doing something else. Are y'all okay? Now, now I'm going to tell you how I learned this in a minute. I read to you about Hebrews. You, have a, you understand you have a right in the throne room. They have rights, but they don't know they have rights. So it's up to us to go to God for them. It, it's, listen, it, this is where compassion comes in. Because your relatives are, are, are idiots, you can't let them go to hell. Well, go to hell, you idiot. No, you don't do that. Don't do that. You need to go... Ah, you're such an idiot, but God, you don't need to go to hell. So you got to start having some compassion and remember what it was like when you weren't saved. Yes. Somebody prayed you in. If, if you're saved, someone went to God for you. Or you wouldn't be here. God didn't move on you because you were just so special. He moved on you in answer to someone praying. Now, the proper way to grow a church is for people to start praying for their families. Then you'll have a real move of God. Now, Satan's going to make sure that you don't have the time you need to pray. So we'll read something in a minute. It it might become more a duty for a while. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 Please go there. Oh, no, go to Genesis 3.8. Go to Genesis 3.8. I've got one more thing I need to show you. 
Uh, let's, just, let's just pop it on the screen. I want you to see this. Genesis 3.8. And Shantae, I may not have given you that, um, so don't, don't freak. My bad. Your piece of paper had the word Genesis, but it did not have one number on it. And now look at, look at this, and I want you to see this. And they, after they sinned, this is, this is the world. This is everybody in Adam that's not saved. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife, and put, put your Uncle Herman in there, put your Aunt Betty, or whatever you want to, hid themselves from the presence of God from, among the trees. They're not, they're not going to come to church. They're under damnation. Let's, think, let's say it again. They're under judgment. They don't want to come to church. And they're not going to because you invited them. They will if you start praying for them. They'll start coming because the Holy Ghost will draw them. Now, this is not a prayer you pray one time because most of the time God moves on them and they go, oh, I ain't doing that. And so you got to keep praying. And, and boy, Father, help me with this. We'll get into this in a minute. Sometimes you're dealing with a spirit. That is the reason why you cannot pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray, my Lord, my soul to keep prayers over your loved ones. There, there are times if you know how to pray and the Holy Ghost is leading you, you might get slightly demonstrative in your praying. Now, I'm not saying that if you become demonstrative, it causes God to move. That's no, no, no. We're not, we're not, we're not, I'm not trying to teach you to be crazy so God will move. I'm telling you to get crazy so you'll move. God needs you to move. Okay. And I mean, and I, and I mean, there are times when you just need to get, for lack of a better word, just mad about the fact that yes. they're going to hell. Right. You know, and you just might need to just state your case with a little bit. You know, you could say, well, Satan, um, in Jesus' name, um, you're not going to take my kids to hell. Amen. You can say it that way. Probably don't mean, <laughs> Satan probably don't think much of you at that point. Or you might go... I said, get off of my kids in Jesus' name. I said, you're not taking them to hell. Great is the peace. And, and I'm not saying that, that your voice, in, but something is a little bit more convincing that you, 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 you might be a little bit more interested in them getting out of hell. And Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And that, now, now, you know, whatever floats your boat. If, if you're doing the Pollyanna prayers and your kids are coming in, then, then just ignore me. I've just never gotten it to work very well with with the devil, with the devil. <laughs> Are y'all out there? Okay. So scared poor kids on the back. They just jumped out of their shoes. And... <laughs> okay. Second Corinthians four, go over there, go over there. When, when I was lost as a goose in a snowstorm, I wasn't looking for God. You know, when there was this bumper sticker years ago, I found it. I, I, I didn't find nothing. I wasn't even looking for God. I didn't find God. I wasn't even looking for God. But when my mother started praying, oh, oh my. He, he would talk to me in all kind of places. I love to hear Jesse tell the story about being down in Tijuana. And he's in a bar and the Holy Ghost comes on him. And he's going, Mama, stop praying. I can't even sin anymore. Are y'all out there? Because he, listen, Mama's praying. Holy Ghost is going to come on your kids. And they're going to start thinking about God. And they're going to think about righteousness. They're going to think about heaven. They're going to think about hell. And the Holy Ghost is going to bring light and revelation to them about Jesus. If he doesn't give it to them, they will never get it, guys. They'll never get it. 
So, so the, uh, the, the, the kids that in this church that are on fire for God, I'll guarantee you it's the parents. The ones that aren't, no condemnation, start today. Just look at it and go, hey, hey, I'm not going to be in condemnation, but my kids ain't going to hell, so after today, I'm about to kick this thing up a notch. I'm just going to, you know, and so, so don't, don't, don't let, don't worry about what you didn't do. The devil always brings up what you didn't do. Say, well, I might not didn't do it, but I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start doing it today. So 2 Corinthians 4, 3. If our gospel is veiled, and it is, it's veiled to those that are perishing. How do you get the veil off? There ain't anybody that can take the veil off but the Holy Ghost. Now, you're talking to them, won't take the veil off. Now, after you prayed, God may use you to give some word to them, but don't go in there with a word until after you've covered them in prayer because you don't go, don't go in there by yourself. That's right. The devil will beat you up and send you out of the room and just... Amen. In a minute, we're going to talk about Christians. Do they need prayer? Oh, Yes. Christians are not going to mature without somebody praying. Now, hopefully, they'd come in and learn to pray for themselves. But you know when you get born again, do y'all remember how tough it is to walk with God and the devil's still beating you up over the things you did before you got saved? And he's constantly, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And many baby Christians, they got a, they're just in a fight. And we need to get in there and go, they're in a fight right now, and the devil's trying to take them back down, so I'm going to get in there and pray with them. You've you got to have a little bit more mercy on people who are just not acting real nice. If they're born again, they're not doing right, go to prayer for them. Do to them what you'd like someone to do to you. Do you like people condemning you? Well, then don't condemn people. Just be nice and go to God. Heavenly Father, that whatever they're doing, they ought not be doing that. So right now, I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over them and call them out of darkness. Now, I need you, the devil, get off of them. Now, Father God, now that you lead them and guide them in the paths of righteousness, you start praying over them. And, and Holy Ghost will come on. I, I, can, I can't tell you how many times I, I would be in my house and I, and I could call Mary Fran and go, you are praying right, you, you are praying right now over me. I could feel it. God would say stuff to me, and I'd go, now where did that come from? Somebody. And then I'd call her, and she says, yeah, we had a prayer meeting and just brought you up in prayer. And I went, Mary, friend, I, I needed that. Are y'all out there? You, we all need, you need prayer. I need prayer. If, you know, if you're afraid to tell someone you need prayer, pray for me. If you, if you are bored, you can pray for me. I am so humble. I'll take all you want to throw at me. I'm going to tell you, I really need God more than you think I do. I don't know whether you think that I, that somehow or another, because you pastor, you don't have a problem with the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think I have more devils than you do. Now look at this again. If our gospel is veiled, and it's veiled, that means you can't see it. It's veiled to those that are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. If you have family members that are not in church reading the Bible and walking with God, they need prayer. Because Satan has blinded them. And they are going to hell. And it's not okay. No, it's not. Amen. I, mean, I think one day, may, I want to, and I don't know, know whether y'all can handle this. Maybe we ought to get in here and talk a little bit about hell. It's, it's a real place. There are people there right now that have died and they're not coming out ever, 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 ever. That's not funny. 
I don't care whether you like the person or not. That's not funny. I don't want my enemies going to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And then another thing let's do. Y'all have to let me do it. Y'all know God loves you. Can we talk about eternal security one day? There's no such thing. Let me help you with this. If you come to my house and bring your pet rattlesnake, and I walk in and you say, Pastor, my pet rattlesnake, Herman, got out, and, uh, and we'll find him, you know, this week. Uh, that's not what I'm going to, I'm going to say, let me tell you something. I'm going to leave, and you're going to find Herman now. And if you don't, I'm calling the Herman squad, and we're going to kill that thing. But I'm not living in a house with a rattlesnake somewhere. Am I right? You come in here and go, I have a little sin. Get it out now. Well, and we're just kind of working with it. No, 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 you're not. Sin will kill you. Not God, sin. You don't play with the devil. Thank y'all. So every, if Jesus paid a price for people to go to heaven, he paid a high price. Do you think that he takes some glory out of people who backslide? And you backslide and fall away from God, you're still going to hell. Yes, you are. It's not okay for you to be lukewarm. He said, I will you out of my mouth. I will vomit you up. You can re- I don't care how you read your Bible, Bleh! is not good. <laughs> blot, blot your name out is not eternal security. <laughs> I'm getting too graphic for y'all. Sometimes y'all have to have, I need to do something where y'all remember the sermon. I, y'all go home, I don't want y'all to go, I didn't get a thing out of that. I want y'all to get something out of this. You know how many people come in here and they think, I'm I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play with the devil. No, you're not going to play with the devil. Don't, don't, Don't go get a wild pig and bring him in the house and say, stay in the kitchen. He he don't know, stay in the kitchen. It's a pig. When you come home, nothing in the house is going to be right. You don't play with something and then say, now I'm going to play with this, but you stay right there. You know, no, listen, listen, listen to me. The devil don't just stay in the kitchen. He gets in everything. He will get in your kids. He'll get in your grandkids. He'll get in your spouse. He'll get in everything you got. So how do you deal with him? 100% throw him out. Kill him. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, take a hatchet, cut it off. That's pretty, what's he say? Well, he was trying to be graphic. Your eyeball ain't right, gouge that sucker out of the back of your head and rip it out of your head. Because it's better to go to heaven with no eyeballs than to hell with both of them. Now you think, well, who said that? Jesus. Okay, never mind. But we're not going to preach on that tonight. But I want you, because you're here, to realize that you've got family members who call themselves Christians, and uh, there's no evidence. And you might not see them when they die. Oh, they said they were saved. They prayed a prayer. Uh Uh-huh, I got that part. Are y'all all right? 
This is pretty serious, ain't it? I'm trying to motivate you to pray a little bit. I'm trying to get you on your knees and get, it, get the devil out of your house and off of your family members and start praying about it. See, you don't, if, if you don't think they need it, you're not going to pray. Well, they don't need it. They're Christians. They just don't go to church anymore. <laughs> All right, moving right along. I know none of y'all have ever been tempted, but I have. And I don't even like to tell the story because all the men get excited when you talk about walking in a, in a room and a woman's coming out of her clothing. And I don't remember t- my testosterone getting saved. It just wasn't, I just don't have sanctified testosterone. And I remembered walking out of the apartment and shaking like a leaf and sweating with BBs. And, 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 I, and, it, and, it, and it took a while of praying in tongues and shaking like a leaf and thinking, God, she was delicious. God will forgive you. Come on, y'all, don't look at me in that tone of voice. If you're walking with God, the Bible promises he's coming back. And why, why does God let him? Well, he wants to find out whether you meant what you said. Well, I meant it. Now, two hours later, I was like, oh, that wasn't no big deal. Oh, yeah, for two hours, it was just, <laughs> Jesus. Thank you. Y'all didn't get that. Never mind. Never mind. We got to get back to praying for your loved one. Y'all didn't understand a thing I just said. Never mind. I, I didn't mean to lower your estimation of me that I actually. Did you know Jesus was tempted to kill himself? Well, what do you think jumping off a cliff is? Never mind. Maybe y'all ought to read your Bible one day. He took him to the pinnacle and said, jump off. That's called a, it says he was tempted to do it. You're not bad because you're tempted. Just don't do it. <laughs> but don't pretend like he's not coming. Now, don't pretend like your family members aren't going through this stuff. And if nobody's praying for them, they might be yielding. And they need, they need help. That's why you really want a good church. Because in a church, somebody's going to go, we notice they're not here. Things aren't going good. Let's pray for them. And we understand because we've been down the same road. Are you all okay? Breathe. Breathe there. Breathe there. Okay. Oh, my. Matthew nine thirty five. Through 38. Jesus went out and all teaching synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's not it. That is not it. I need to go find what I was trying to show you. Let me find it. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> well, anyway, wherever it is. I'll find it in a minute. Jesus told us, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Why did he tell you to pray that? First of all, why would God even ask you to ask, doesn't God know he needs people in the harvest? Now I'm jumping on Calvinism again. If God knows he needs harvesters, why did he tell you to ask him for harvesters? I mean, naturally, religiously, you'd go, well, he knows what I need. Well, he's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything until you ask him. And once you learn that, your life is going to change. He's not moving at all without you asking. This is, and I've gone over this. This is why I gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because there's times you don't know how to pray. 
but you have to ask him. So John Wesley said, it seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him why that is I do not know. Brother Hagin read that and says, it seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him why that is I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And that was when Brother Hagin had the Lord teach him about the authority of the believer. And he got a hold of John A. McMillan's book and found out about the fact that God gave authority to man. It's your house. Now, let's go back to the story of me. When I was in Tulsa and the Lord said to me, you're not going anywhere until you get, you know, I, I asked him for ministry. And he, he kind of explained to me that ministry was people, yeah. not a platform. Bless my heart. People are going to hell around me, and I want to be in ministry. We have a church. We have a pile of people in this church, baby Christians, and you're out looking for ministry. Well, you're blind as a bat. No, you're on an ego trip. And I, I was. I was on an ego trip. I wanted to be Kenneth Copeland. That's all. Airplane, go preach. To heck with people, but just go preach. God explained to me there was people in the office going to hell. And if I wanted ministry, all I had to do was go what, five feet away. And there's a lady there not saved. So anyway, he says, you're not going anywhere until you get her saved. Her name was Jan. And I'm out praying for her every day. And the Lord said, ask me to get her to church. Now, that changed my life. Why would God ask me to ask him? And I walked away and went, no, that's strange. And that's when it hit me. We work together in the harvest. God can't move on Jan unless I ask him. And then I'm praying the best I know so the Holy Spirit's going to help me pray properly for her. So I said, God, get her to church. That's it. God, get her to church. Five words. I got up from praying, walked in the office. Jan said, where do you go to church? I said, if you answered every prayer that fast, we would be getting along real good. And I said, I go to Bob Yandian's church, Grace Fellowship. At the time, I did. And she said, well, then me and Scott will be there Sunday. I went. <laughs> she came, didn't get saved. I was so mad. Because I can't leave town until she gets saved. You understand? you got to get saved, lady. It was three Sundays. And the third Sunday, I went to the intercessory prayer room. I didn't even go. I'm in there praying, God, draw her to the front in the name of Jesus. And she, heard, and she went forward and got saved. So I was so elated. I went back to God. And I said, I can leave Tulsa. I can leave Tulsa. He said, well, what about her husband? I went, that wasn't part of the deal. But, but see, what, but what he's trying to teach me is people are going to hell around you, and I'm looking for ministry. Say stupid. That's stupid. Yeah, I know I was. But anyway, so, so I didn't wait on Bobby Andean. I got so tired of waiting on Bobby Andean, I just walked up to Scott. And that's where I learned how to get people saved. And I opened up to John three sixteen. and I said, Scott, are you ready to get born again and receive Jesus? But I've been thinking about it. I said, well, let me read this to you right now. And I, right there, after, I, after the next time I was in the office, I got him born again on my own. I didn't wait for Bob. Right. And then finally I went, all right. I understand where we're going with this. And I talked to everybody in the office about Jesus. Good. <laughs> and that's where I got crazy like I am right now. I just got to where we're around telling everybody about Jesus. And the little Mexican guy didn't speak a lick of English. And I just walked up and started talking to him in tongues. I just gave it my best shot. I didn't know nothing about nothing. So I just started talking to him in tongues. So, he just looked at me real funny. And I said, God, I, I, did, I, I don't know what I said, but, but I'm trying. Well, after they all got saved... They invited me over to their house for dinner, and they brought their friend named Ron, who's a used car salesman, a new car salesman. And he said, Do you, would, have you ever been won a new car? And I said, I'm standing on the word for a new car. He said, I'll teach you how to buy one off the showroom floor and only pay X number of dollars over invoice, I said. And, and I got him saved first at dinner. So Ron is saved no, Scott saved, Jan saved, now Ron is saved. And Ron taught me, and I went down the next day to the GMC and bought a new Cutlass Supreme, $100 over, over invoice. Walked in there, and I said, I want this car. And they said, we're going to, I said, no, you don't have to tell me nothing. Let me just tell you what we're fixing to do. You give me the invoice, I'll give you $100, sign the paper, I'm out of here. He went, really? I said, that's right. He said, you sold. Because he explained to me, they have a certain number of cars, they got to get them out of there. 
So, so the, 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 the GM dealer pays them to sell cars. Y'all didn't know that, did you? So now it's about, if you go in there with 500 bucks over invoice, they'll sell you a car. Don't go in there and let them figure out your payments. That's called robbery. You're, never mind. Never mind. I, I don't even want. So anyway, I bought a new car, got everybody saved, and, and moved. And that was when it started dawning on me, we need to pray for people. The people you're praying for will come to church and get saved. If you'll start praying for them. Now, you say, well, I've got some that are really messed up. Well, it might take a little bit more prayer. This is not the prayer of faith. They're under damnation. They're under condemnation. They're not going to get, you're going to set the captives free. You're going to go in the throne room for them because they're not going for themselves. Now, when you're praying the prayer of faith, you're going for you because you know who you are. But when you're praying for you, you're good. Go in the throne room of God. But we've got to start going in the throne room for people who aren't going. And they're going to be lost if we don't. Okay. All right. Um, 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 all right. Where's my time? All right. I, I got something out of E.W. Kenyon's book and I, and I want to read this to you. Amen? Amen. Say, I am. Now, I don't know what got into him this day, but on page 11, he really, he really got into the subject of we need to pray. And I'm going to read it to you verbatim because I marked it in my Bible in this book and I read this over and over and over. To motivate myself, okay? Now, listen, verse, chapter, I mean, page 11. Every one of us has a place in the prayer life. God has no unused members. There isn't a useless member in the physical body, neither is there in the spiritual body of Christ. The church should be, should be praying. God has planned with divine wisdom the body of Christ, and the, and the moment that you were born in that body, you have a place to function. If anyone thinks because of a lack of training or lack of this or that, he has no place, he's been deluded by the enemy. You have a place. Now, with that place comes responsibility. With responsibility comes reward or demerit, whether you do it or don't do it. If you do not take your place in the family of God in the church, begins to function, the body of Christ is weakened because of it. Churches are weak because Christians don't take their place. Okay? Think about Do what you want to with that information. It's true. Some people have the idea that a special vocation is to criticize others for not doing more. I'm not going to say any more about that. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. That's not your job. You have no right to set yourself as a Christian. Your business is to find your place and you fill it. Until you do, you're going to pay the price. I want you to know, my brother and sister, the price you pay for staying out of God's will is expensive. It is. You may pay it in sickness, loss of money, unhappiness with your loved ones. You can't be protected or cared for as long as you're standing outside of the will of God. So take your place. Give, it, give yourself to meditation, prayer, and study the word. And don't allow anything to stand in you finding your place. All right. Your life does not mean much to a person outside of the will of God. The big thing in life is to be in the will of God. You say you were never called to give yourself to a prayer life. No, you may not have been called to set apart for by the Spirit for a special ministry of prayer, but I think it would be wise for you to spend enough time in prayer for you to get acquainted with your Father. There's only two ways to get acquainted with Him through the Word and prayer. If you don't take time to pray, you're going to lose out. You can't say you have no responsibility in your prayer life because you do. To see a need is a call to prayer. There are people who will be utterly lost unless you take your place. Let that sink in. Now, let me say something right here, and this is going to be heavy. That when someone comes in this church and gets born again, it is your and my responsibility. You can't say, where'd they go? Oh, well, what the heck? You don't have a baby and then just take it home and chunk it off in a drawer. You're, you, you brought that baby in the world. When people walk in here and baby Christians are messy and, and it's an inconvenience to your flesh because your American lifestyle does not have in the plan messy baby Christian. But God has messy baby Christian in his plan for you. 
That's what happens when you have a church full of babies. Unless you do your part, men will cry against you through eternity. You can't plead. You have too much work to do. You can pray while you're working. You can't plead you don't know how. You learn if you want to. If you disobey the prayer call, it's for you to disobey the call of your father. The prayer responsibility today is the most important thing in your life. Bar none. I'm going to say this right now. I don't care if you have eight years of college. If you don't know how to pray, you're really not that smart. I say that with, I'm, I'm trying to be as gracious. Teach your kids to pray. Because when, when they're going through life, whatever they learn in college, that's the best they were able to give you. There's nothing will take the place of your daughter or your son going to God and getting an answer. And, you're going to, and they're going to need to get answers to prayer. Are you all out there? So that, this is not little. This is massive. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. And all that stuff. Do you realize that there are men and women who are defeated and breaking down in their business, their home, and their life because we haven't prayed? He said, let me change it. You have not prayed. Now, when I read that, it brought great, a great deal of conviction to my own heart. Because there are times that I have not prayed for family members and I know there's problems. Have you all ever done that? I, I've, I've done it. Well, I went to God and I repented. And I said, Father God, please forgive me. I won't do that again. And I make a special point when I wake up in the morning to cover my family in prayer. And then say, if there's anything else you need me to pray, I pray over you. Pray over this church. I'm going to pray over the people that I know. I can't, but that's why I'm preaching on it because I don't know everybody. But all together, we know, we know more people. The, you know, y'all, y'all, we've all seen the man that got on television and said, I need a, peop- a thousand people praying. Yeah. He's doing that to raise money. <laughs> we need one million prayer partners. No, you don't. He needs a million people giving him money. <laughs> the reason you need more people praying is because there's there's more things to pray about than you alone can do it. You don't need one million. You don't need to call ORU and get a hundred people praying for you. Okay, I'll come over here and preach it. One person praying over you is more than enough. And I know that, that hair lips. Mm. When we have prayer meetings in here Sunday night and we have prayer meetings Monday night, it isn't because there's 20 people praying but every person comes in with something on their heart different to pray. So there's more area being covered in prayer. It's not the numbers praying for one person. It's the numbers praying over different areas. So that's why you want corporate prayer. And corporate prayer is noisy. Because if we're going to agree with you, we need to hear you. Amen? No. I'm sorry. I have such a bad attitude sometimes. I just, oh, Father, I ask you to help me be nice. Okay. You have been occupied with pleasures and dreams. Men and women stagger under the burden you should have carried, and they break down because of it. Oh, God, have mercy on us. As you read this, do not read it simply to awaken you for the moment. Let prayer become like eating or your business or your home. If you're a mother, if you're a wife and you live at home, you have duties to perform every day. The greatest duty you'll ever perform for your family is the prayer duty. Add it to the list. If you do dishes, pray. It's part of life. Now listen to what he says here. It may be that it's no longer a privilege You threw the privilege away. You ignored it. Now it has become a stern duty. You must go back to your prayer closet and begin anew your fellowship with him. Do it for the sake of your family, the boys and girls, the sake of your home and your church, and God will honor you. Children growing up in a Christian homes without the restraining power of God over their lives. That's wrong, folks. 
Every child needs to be in a home where mommy and daddy pray. The reason is apparent. Mothers and fathers have failed in the responsibility in their prayer life. I call on you men and women. You are to blame for the crime and the lawlessness of the youth of this generation. So go and ask him to forgive you and take your responsibility and do it now. That's powerful, isn't it? Anyway, that's in the book, E.W. Kenyon book um, on prayer. Now, now, um, he said, and so I have, a, I have a confession to make. I'm not Catholic, but I'm going to make a confession. When I went to Bible school, I went to learn the Bible, I thought. And even though I learned about prayer, I didn't really pray. I started going down to the prayer meetings, and every time they'd have a prayer meeting, I'd always fight. Ah, do I want to go? So I made a consecration to God that I would go. I made a deal. I'm going to go in the name of Jesus, Father, I, before Almighty God, I'm going to pray. And I'm glad I made that. Because every time that there was a prayer night, my flesh, I, I, I just, I, God, I don't want to go down there and sit in the floor and pray. And I'm going to tell you what went through me. But every time I did, when I got up, I was always, oh, my God, I am so glad. I came here tonight and prayed. I feel so clean and refreshed. I've been with God. And so, so I kind of made myself learn to pray. Now, I'm going to tell on myself. When my first wife came to me when I was at Ramah and said um, I'm, she was being unfaithful, it devastated me. It killed me. I prayed all night. I wasn't being spiritual. <laughs> Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. My life has been so hard at times that I have created a prayer habit, not because I'm deep, but I'm stupid. Oh, come over here. Y'all, I know y'all are getting this. I started praying because I had to, or the devil would kill me. So when the marriage was falling apart and the finances didn't come in, and the, I mean, in other words, the, the more you have to have God, the more your prayer life is going to increase. Don't make God do you that way. Because you're stupid. I'll come over here. Y'all didn't get this. I didn't go to school and go, I'm going to be a mighty man of prayer. And when I started pastoring this church, it was hard. People are crazy. I'd go in there and look at the ties and go, oh, God. And I'd go pray for an hour. I'm not more spiritual than you, but I want to eat. And God would do a miracle, and I'd get excited, and I'd come back, and the doctor would give me a report, and next thing you know, I'm all praying again. After a few years of that, it's become a habit. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you I'm not all that deep, but I do pray a lot. And I probably always will. Don't, don't be like me. Don't, don't, don't be that dumb. Learn without God having to, come on, y'all. How many of y'all have ever had times you're like, I got to get an answer to prayer now. It's, it's not going to turn out real good. And so Lisa and I have gotten to where now we wake up in the morning, spend some time together, and, and we get in there and we just pray. I mean, it, it's gotten to where, you know, we do coffee and prayer. That's it. I mean, you, y'all didn't get the coffee part, but don't text me before coffee. Don't, just don't do it. You'll get a text back with me in the kitchen, crawl into the pot, you know, you're <laughs> I don't do good. Get, get, I got to get up and get a cup of coffee. Don't bother me. They get my coffee, we go in there and we pray. 
So I'd like to tell you that I'm all that deep and spiritual. I'm probably really not, but I do pray a lot. And, and I, think it's, I, I, I think it's because anytime you're in the will of God, he always gives you something so big, you, there's no way you do it. You can't, you can't live this life without him. You, there, the, what, he's, what you read there, you cannot pull that off. You're going to have to pray. Now, family members. I have a new saying. Say less, pray more. I'm tired of talking to them. They ain't listening anyway. So we're going to close with this. Go to Ephesians. Colossians 1.9. Are you all okay? I, I, said, I said Ephesians. No, Colossians. Colossians 1.9. I skipped a bunch. Don't worry about Ephesians. I never got to it. In the book of Ephesians, uh, it talks about kinds of prayer. And I wanted you to see that. D- don't, don't get locked in that there, there is different kinds of prayer. And, okay. This is a prayer that I pray over myself. It's a prayer that I pray over my boys. Uh, and, I, and if you don't mind, Lisa, I'm going to tell them about me and you for a minute. When I met Lisa and I married Lisa, Lisa is one f- fantastic woman. She is a, I mean, I just love her and I've had the best. We have, we've had fun together. We do things together. We go skiing together, hunt together, fish together. We do everything together. But when I met her, I was, I had had a lot more training in the word than she had. And there's, there's a difference in her. And, and then she was a great assemblies of God girl. But I would talk to her about a lot of the in him reality stuff. And I, and no, no, and she would just like right over her head. And I knew that there was a blockage there for her to understand what I'm saying. And I talked and talked and talked and I'd get aggravated with her. I'd say, well, the Bible says, you know, and finally, you know, and she's just defending herself going, you know, she, I found out God speaks Elizabethan. And it changed when I went in the closet and I took her name and I put them in the Ephesian prayers. I said, God, and I started praying the prayers over her. And then she would go, I saw something in the word. And I would get so offended. I told you that. (laughs) But I found out that God had a way to talk to Lisa different than the way he talks to me. And so the way I'm getting it doesn't necessarily mean it's the way Lisa would get it. But yet when I started praying, I saw that she was getting a lot more of the in him, who you are in Christ, that kind of stuff, which they didn't learn in the Assemblies of God church that she came up in, a lot of the faith and word stuff that we preach. So I have learned over time, and I pray them over myself. And so I take these prayers of Paul, and I pray them over me. And I pray them over her. I pray them over the boys. And this is one of them, not the Ephesians prayers, but the, but the, um, the Colossian prayer. Let me go over there. I'm not even there. Um, chapter 1, verse 9. Listen. For this reason, since the day I heard of it, I do not cease to pray for you. Now, you, now when you've got family members, especially Christians who are not doing right, put their name in that. I ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that whoever you're praying for would be strengthened with might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of saints and delivered you from the power of darkness and placed you in the kingdom, the son of his love, in whom you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Now, you're praying the word over someone. Now, that's what you're wanting them to get, isn't it? So I want to take time. We're out of time legally, but the youth are not here. How would y'all like to take a few minutes... Let's everybody in the room take these, this prayer and let's just spend a few minutes. I want you to pray 
for family members that you know need prayer. Is that fair? Okay. I, I, we, we did something in church. I wish, I wish we had never taken altars out of churches. Something got lost when we did it. And I, I know why people did it. They start having lines and people fall down and all that stuff. I get that. But, the, but church really should have a time where we close the service and say, if you just get up here and do some praying. It, it's an easier in a corporate atmosphere where the Holy Ghost is to just get in and pray and everybody's praying together. And it doesn't mean that you, you know, everybody's got to hear you. But, but this, just, just spend time, open your mouth. Let the words escape your lips. You can't pray in tongues quietly. Why? The word wouldn't, God didn't speak. It didn't say, and he thought. Earth be. He spoke. I don't have time to get into it. I kind of wish people would get over this. Now I lay me down to sleep praying. There's a place for that. But it's not when you're praying for your family members. You need to utter the words, speak the word. When you got married, you spoke words. Do you take her to be your wife? As he nodded. I know, I know, I know, I know. Father, I'm trying to help them. And they, golly gee. Get your Bible out and let's find some people and let's start praying over them. Are you all ready? You want to take a few minutes? Father God, I'm gonna, um, I've, I've taken the message. I've, I believe that this is something on your heart very dear. And men, there's, Father, there's men like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin and, and, and Billy Brim and Joyce Myers. These people have, are mighty men and women of prayer, Pro, far more than they are preachers. They're, they're, if you talk to them any length of time, they have such a dynamic prayer life. And Father, I think it's time this church kicked it up. I think it's time we, we kicked it up, especially for our families. I don't, I don't know everybody in here. I don't know everyone. And I'm asking you as we begin to pray tonight, just to take the time and plug people's names in, Father. We're just going to pray over families. Just go ahead and right now and just pray. I'm going to pray quietly. I, I have a mic, so you'll probably hear me pray. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.